This is Learn It From An 80s Song. I am your coach, Patricia Freiberg. This is I Love The 80s meets the healing of storytelling and the positive impact of music. Inspiring guests share their powerful stories, yielding incredible strengths. Through both story and music, this podcast will elevate your mood, providing you with a positive outlook. It will ignite recall so that you can tap into your own life experiences. We don't just hear the knowledge and wisdom gained from our podcast guests. Through powerful story, we can live it. Today, we have a very special guest. Please welcome Shauna Oliver. Shauna has been a registered nurse for over two decades. She has been well-coach certified since 2012. Since 2017, she has been a nationally board-certified health and wellness coach. Shauna has her own business called Lean Into Fear Coaching. Her mission is to help women conquer self-limiting thoughts in order to lead full, limitless, joyous lives. Welcome, Shauna. It is so great to have you here with us today. Thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored. This is a fun idea. And I appreciate you coming up all the way from the Northeast in Bangor, Maine. So, you know, and I'm all the way in Southern California. So what I love about this podcast is getting to meet people from really all over the world and all over the country. So it's it's yeah. just so fun. That's one thing the pandemic has shown how small the world really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of commonality in our struggles, no matter the geographic distance. 100%. So this is the part of the show where we have the big reveal as to what song we're going to be talking about today. So Shauna, what song best resonates with the story you're going to tell us today? Can I get a drum roll, please? What is your song? It is Tom Petty's Free Fallen. Yay. I love that song. And that is coming in right in 1989, 1989. And um, that song in particular was one of the longest running and highest number on the charts at number seven. But then I had seen some facts on Spotify that it is was like number two. I'd have to go back and look at the statistic, but it was like number two in global listening of, of songs. So while that may have peaked, you know, at seven way back then, even now today, people are listening to this song and it's an incredible song choice. Yeah, I really like it. And people should be listening to it today because that music was the best. 100%. So Shauna, share with us your story. Okay. The reason that I picked this song is because I struggled myself at a young age and right up until probably about 10 years ago, right around 2000, 2011, around 2011, 
I was struggling with perfectionism and I was nursing at the time. When I was younger, I tried, I stopped and started a variety of different careers and none of them stuck until I got to nursing. And I think one of the big reasons that that was so was because I, in the other careers, I couldn't quite get a grasp on perfectionism. And I look back at it now and I think, what a fallacy, because you can't have perfectionism in any career. But you go and you worry about all the little details and everything in life and how you do it well, and you sew it up with a button and it's just perfect. And you find nursing. And nursing applauds everything about that. So when I found nursing and I realized that if I always had the answer and I always studied hard and I always showed up and I always took the extra shifts and I never, ever said, I don't know, or of course I can handle that. Of course I can do this. I was applauded for it. I was the best nurse. I was a great nurse. And I mean, frankly, no one appreciates when a nurse messes up your medications or anything. So it was it was my perfectionism that while it was making me absolutely and completely and totally miserable, it was really working in my life and my career. And right around 2011 um, is when I was introduced to wellness coaching and I started to study and I started to understand some of my thinking patterns and how I was, why I was so miserable. And I started to get introduced to mindfulness and self-compassion and the work that was necessary to disprove all of those bullcrap thoughts that I had about what made me lovable, what made me likable, what made me worthy. And I figured out pretty quick that I had to essentially stop covering it up and stop trying to be, you know, the best mom and the best wife and the best nurse. So I started to intentionally take the steps of being vulnerable and being imperfect. And honestly, the the feelings in my chest and the flutterings in my chest. And when I knew that I was going to do something like say I don't know to a patient or say to a friend, you know, I was really struggling last week. I honestly, I didn't feel like getting out of bed. I had so much going on with my kids and work and being on call and all the stress. I just didn't want to get out of bed. And just admitting my humanity to people, literally, like I've jumped out of a plane since then it felt like that, like it felt like all the tethers that I had held on to that I thought kept me safe and kept me loved. I was just going to let them go. And it just, it was so scary. It was so scary. Incredible. I mean, just the amount of bravery that that takes to do that. And, and I'm thinking back like, you know, nursing and all of those years, two decades of nursing. And mm-hmm. just, I wonder just the exhaustion because everything has to be so exact in that field or, or and then also to have that added pressure on yourself as well. Yes. Yeah. And raising, you know, you have four children, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Four children working night shifts. And, and, but, uh, you know, there's a stress and I say this to my clients, there's the stress of the facts. And sometimes, you know, the factors in your life have to be adjusted. 
But sometimes it's not just the factors in your life. It's your perceived expectations that you place on yourself for everything that has to be done and the way that it has to be done and the standards that you're putting upon yourself that really, the way I described it, it, when I came across coaching is I felt like I was treading water and I wanted to stop, but I felt like if I stop the game of the treading, I'm certain to go down. Like there's just, I couldn't see the gray. There was no gray. There was continue the way that you are or lose it all. You know, you have these visions of I'll no longer be a responsible adult. They'll come and get my children. My house will be taken from me. There's just (laughs) in that fear, there's no gray place. There's no, you might be a responsible adult, but your kids won't have to match every time they walk out the door. Yeah. No, uh, 100%. Isn't that so interesting that we see it like that? I can, like, as you're talking, I'm seeing that in my own life as uh, in my perfectionism and, and it's, it it truly is exhausting and you can only see it's this way or that way. Mm -hmm. But what about that continuum? Like you're talking about in between. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious as to now, because I know this is what you do now um, mm-hmm. through your coaching practice is to help people really find that thrive, find their life, but then having that self-compassion at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the big things that I do is I teach people to, and I'm kind of jumping ahead to some of my solutions, but sure. I teach people to understand where those perceptions come from. Obviously, I'm not a psychologist and we don't go into deep trauma or do any of that type of resolution type of work. But I do kind of look at where were you rewarded for your perfectionist tendencies? Where did that, you know, show up as being a good thing when you were a kid, likely? Where where was it applauded? Where was it encouraged? And where did you take that and expand upon that and make that your habit? So eventually these perfectionist tendencies that we do, they become the habit. And once something is a habit and you try to do something else, that fear is a great big liar. It's going to say to you, this is what's keeping the ship afloat. So you better not veer from course. So a lot of that is just understanding that that these narratives are kind of up there. They're in your brain. I teach a lot about mindfulness, a lot about awareness. I'm big on humor, like looking at it, like there, there she is, Miss Perfectionist or whatever you want to call it. And waiting for those opportunities to disprove that theory. So mine, like I said, was one of my big ones right off the bat was telling patients because they weren't clients at the time, patients, I don't know, but I will find out and I will get back to you. And that was an intentional act that used to make my heart rate go to like 110. Like, how can you say you don't know? Like, you got to fake that you know everything. Yeah. So I invite people to kind of like look at where essentially you're making yourself miserable with your perfectionism. And where can you intentionally, without hurting someone, be imperfect, know it's going to be scary. And I call it no takesy backsy. Like, don't go back and fix it and don't make it perfect later. Like, literally walk away breathing and saying, I'm being imperfect. I'm scary. I'm being imperfect. Because it is scary. 
Yeah. Yes. And you're worried about like what the repercussions would be, right? And there aren't any. If anything, you're being more authentic in yourself. Mm-hmm. And then also in the process, you're taking care of yourself as well as the other person and the case that you're talking about. Well, one of the first things that I found was when I was trying to be perfect all the time, I really wasn't connecting with anybody because I was trying to convince them that I was great. And I don't mean great, like fantastic, great. I mean, fine, that I was fine and that I didn't have any issues and I was fine. And once I started to, you know, not become a complainer, but be honest in my vulnerability and my struggles, that's when I really started to connect with people and feel less alone. And I was like, wow, I wish I had figured this out, you know, a couple of decades ago, because life would have been a lot more beautiful. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm curious as to, was it a moment in time? Like, when was it that you realized you kind of turned the mirror on yourself and you saw the perfectionism? Was it a build or was it a moment that, that it occurred? Well, it's a combination of a build and a very funny story. You know, those of us that are perfectionists, we tend to say it, but when we say it, we're being flippant. Oh, I'm a perfectionist. Just leave me alone. I got to do it this way. It's the way I am. But we don't talk about the pain and the truth behind what that actually feels like. So I kind of knew that I had those tendencies and that they weren't making me happy. And it was something that should be looked at, but I had no idea how to. None. I had no idea where to start. But I had kind of been thinking about these type of things and why do I do the things that makes me miserable and, you know, that my husband would say made me miserable. Why are you scrubbing the floors and hanging pictures when we just moved into this house last night? You know, you can probably go to bed and pick this up tomorrow. But this is really bad and really funny and it goes to show how great my husband is. We were at Sam's Club and we were literally in the chicken aisle literally in the chicken aisle. And obviously I must've been thinking about this stuff and meditating on it and going through some of it. And I looked at him and I said, why do you think people love you? And he looked at me and he said, cause I love them with full assurance. And I said, I think people love me because everything I do for them and I do it perfectly. And I just started sobbing. I, I mean sobbing, wow. sobbing in the Sam's Club chicken aisle. It's a wow. Sunday. It's a Sunday. The store's busy. But God bless him, you know, he just hugged me and, and I and he's like, we're going to go. And we left without our stuff. But that was the real crack of what's my myth on what makes me lovable? And can I keep this myth up anymore? Can I can I do this anymore? And I just knew I couldn't. I just knew I couldn't. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Sam's in the chicken aisle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I know. Isn't it amazing how like when those moments hit, it's it's like in the most random of places. So yeah. And that chicken aisle, like I'm sure when you walk through it now, you're like, yeah. So that happened. And, yeah. and a reminder of, of, mm-hmm. of how far you've come and how many clients you now help with that specific issue that we, so many of us have. And for yeah. many people, it's paralyzing. Like for me, my perfectionism became kind of a, at times per- paralyzing, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's never going to be good enough. Yeah. So I'm terrified to start. Yes. And that's what I find is people either procrastinate because they know that 
they can't be perfect. So why try? Or people overdo and overdo and overdo and are so stressed out by the time that they do that exciting thing that it's no longer exciting because it's just so yuck. And then you want to do it again and you're like, I don't want to do that because I know what I'm going to do to myself. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's, It's like how many times you've, I used to film, you know, fitness DVDs and uh-huh. the rehearsal time and to get to the level that I wanted to be as far as of how rehearsed and how specifically I'm going to say this and what knowledge I'm going to bring to the pre and postnatal. I did put out five DVDs, but let me tell you, I, 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 if someone asked me to do it tomorrow, I'd be like, no, I can't, I can't do that again. You know, it was, yeah. it was just so much time and, and so much rehearsal and every little I think if I did it again, it would just be a little bit, you know, now that I've done the work, right, uh, as a perfectionist, a recovering perfectionist, (laughs) I think I would just have the knowledge enough and say my mantra, you know, you are good enough before I get out out there and I have a lot to offer. I have to give my little Mm self-talk and you do the the best you can and, and you take care of yourself in the process. But let me tell you, it's for me as a perfectionist, it, it's a continuum, you know, and sometimes that you'll fi- I'll find it like going teetering over and I'm like, it's okay. You know, podcasting, same thing. There are times that I will do an introduction a gazillion times if I'm having that one day where it has to be specific. Oh, I, I think I may have mispronounced that or, and I'll go back and do it again. But sometimes mm-hmm. I'll have to have that self-talk before I'm like, you're going to do the best you can. You're a good communicator. Like I have to like, pump myself up yep. and, and, and just get it done. Yeah. And I've noticed trends too, for when that resurfaces and usually it's, it's not taking time off, not taking a break, not taking care of myself. And I see it as old Shauna comes rearing back in when the first vulnerability shows itself. Like she's like, Oh good. She's down. You know, the strong person that she is today is a little bit off kilter. So I'll just kind of sneak right back in there with the old habits and we'll just pick right up where we left off. And it's very interesting to watch that happen. It doesn't feel good at the time, but when you come out of a few days of it, you're like, what? What got me back spinning in that zone again? That wasn't fun. Mm. Now I need a massage, mm. a chiropractor right. <laughs> 12 hours sleep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. So, you know, in looking at all of those years experience that you have and uh, working with clients and, and the different experiences you've had, you know, if you're looking at your strengths, like humor comes through, if if I'm looking at the via strengths assessment, which I know you've taken in the past and, you know, and humor is such a great way you had mentioned it earlier about connecting with others and that humanity. And I can see that come through and I can see how people would easily be disarmed working with you. And Mm -hmm. uh, what other strengths do you think kind of got you through some of those tougher obstacles? And then how do you continue to use those strengths today? Well, I redid the test just for you and found my old results. So it was kind of interesting. Humor was number one in the past. And self-regulation was up there in the top five, too, as well as social intelligence and and perseverance. And when I redid it, honesty was number one. Humor was up there. 
Social intelligence was still up there and love was up there. And what I found so interesting about that is I was really excited that my self-regulation had dropped some because I never had a problem telling myself, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and get this done. That was not the problem. I had a problem with giving myself a break. So I was excited that that self-regulation had dropped some. Social intelligence, boy, I'll tell you, just seeing other people and really, really understanding that to some extent, no matter the facade or whatever the trappings that people seem to have, we all are struggling in this world. This world is a little bit difficult and has been for the last few years. And I think giving myself empathy, giving myself compassion has allowed me to see that in others so much bigger and so much greater. I think when you're really hard on yourself, you're in so much pain that you tend to not have very much grace for other people's struggles. And I don't think I could be a good health coach if I was the same way that I was before. Because I would have expected those standards that I was pushing on myself on other people. And that's not nice and not helpful. You know, it's so interesting you say that because a lot of the coaching clients that I, you know, have worked with and, and, and work with, you know, it really all comes down to self-compassion, self-care. It seems to be a theme among the clients that I see. And then also for my own work that I've done for myself, <laughs> it's all been around that as well. Uh, so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it, and I love that you, you know, with social intelligence, it really um, allows you to tune in and be aware of your own self, but then also you can help read others or read a room real well, mm-hmm. and then help really have that empathy uh, and compassion for your clients. So great. Mm-hmm. And then humor, like I said, that I can see how that would be high for you. The other one you had mentioned, honesty. What I love about honesty is that it's not only being honest with others, but honest with yourself. Uh And I feel that like, that's something that I can see how that may have shifted for you in particular, because of the story that you said, the more vulnerability you showed, the more honest you were with yourself and with others, the better you felt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely felt better just being myself. And I kind of felt like I can be, and you know what the joke is? Most people know Anybody that does have that social intelligence, if you're hurting and you're struggling and you're pretending that you're all right when you're not all right, I mean, the joke is on you for trying so hard because most people know, you know, they they know at some level. And but yeah, being honest with myself about what I thought I had to do to maintain things was beyond beneficial. And then it came, became scary to disprove that story. That was where the fear came in. But once you get to the other side of that, you're, it's so much better because then you're honest all the time. You're not second guessing. What am I going to be truthful right now? Am I going to pretend that I know everything or am I going to say, I don't know, might find out, might figure it out. Yeah. 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 So interesting. Well, you have such a beautiful package of strengths and it is interesting. A lot of times our strengths will stay similar, but some will shift up and down based on, you know, what's going on or how you're leaning into the strengths. And 
it's or or leaning away from or developing new patterns and 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 new habits. So it's that's that's so interesting. I love that you shared that. Thank you. So now thinking about an action item for our audience, you know, based on all of your experience and and your your coaching now, tell us um, your our audience, give us an action item of something that we can work on. Okay. So if you're a perfectionist, first of all, I didn't talk about it a lot, but when I talk about stress, because stress, when we were talking about that, when stress comes in, our perfectionist self wants to come take over. So stress management is huge for everybody. So there's a lot of things that you can do to engage your parasympathetic, your rest and digest nervous system. And those are, you know, people tend to, that are not in our field, tend to think, well, they're not that important and it's not a big deal. And yes, I relax and I might go to camp. And very different than what a lot of people think relaxation is, which is the distraction, you know, the watching TV, the scrolling social media, the all the other things that we all do to distract ourselves. That's very different than getting into that rest and digest nervous system. So there's a lot of ways that you can do that. My favorite is meditation. And my second one is exercise because exercise actually mimics that stress response and recovery. So baseline, I really, really, really encourage people to tap into that. What does it feel like to be relaxed? Because I can't tell you how many women don't know, don't remember what it's like to actually be relaxed because that's going to need to be your your point that you're going to have to be at to be able to say oh here's an opportunity to not be perfect and if you're already stressed straight out and you expect yourself to do something that's additionally stressful and out of the norm you're just making yourself a higher hill to climb but if you can do like you said all that self-care which sounds boring and trite, but self-care is so much more. But all the self-care that really gets you into that state of relaxation, you're going to be a lot more open for those points of I'm overdoing here. I'm trying too hard here. I'm covering up here. And that's that pause moment to go, okay, I'm not going to do what I usually do, which sounds so simple, but it's so hard. You know, I have some clients that work in offices and I and they might choose to misspell a word in an email. Oh my goodness gracious. They're they're misspelling a word in an email. They may tell somebody they forgot about a meeting and show up three minutes late on purpose. And because they've seen others do it and it's not life and death. So it's whatever the story of perfectionism for you. Oh, I used to over-decorate for Christmas like a just unbelievable. So for some women, it might be just throw up a tree and make the gifts, wrap a couple in newspaper and call it a day. And it sounds, well, that's no big deal, but it is a big deal. If you've been Martha Stewart Christmas decorating and you decide to let some stuff go, it's a big deal. So each individual is going to have those moments of opportunity to not have the perfect presentation on everything and just do good enough and stop yourself. Such great advice to have, you know, for everyone just to 
give yourself permission, giving yourself permission to do those things. And Mm -hmm. I had all kinds of things running through my head of things that I could do less of or not worry about so much. Like, you know, thinking about, I've got a lot going on right now. And I, I'm like, I need to get out these thank you notes. And I'm like, you know, I think it might be good enough if I write a thank you email. I like to do a handwritten thank you. And then gratitude is something I want to practice. But the, the actual art of doing it, writing, finding the addresses and sending it right now is, is overwhelming. And, mm-hmm. and rather than thinking so that my personal action item is that I'm going to write a letter of gratitude, you know, or thank them for, for the gift or whatever it is. And I'm going to do it via email or text and I'll make it heartfelt. Nice, nice. beautiful. Because it's never logic. I mean, logic is when your husband says an email's fine. Logic doesn't persuade you. What persuades you is saying, for some reason, sending a letter to me keeps my identity feeling safe and secure. And I don't want to do that right now. I want to do self-care and I want to do what's more on what's important. So I'm not going to overdo this one task. And it's probably going to feel uncomfortable. But like I said, I'm going to do it and I'm not going to do any takesy backsies. And I'm going to say, it's good enough. It's good enough. Love it. Yeah. This is so great. So great. Well, audience, we definitely have our our marching orders here. (laughs) Shauna has spoken (laughs) and we are listening. (laughs) Well, I hope so. I hope it helps. I want to know, before we jump into trends, how does our audience get a hold of you for seminars that you do for any kind of coaching around this, you know, how would they get a hold of you? What's the best way? Okay. So my website is shaunaoliver.com and my Facebook is Lean Into Fear Coaching. Lean That's into probably fear the coaching. easiest ways. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was Great. scary. <laughs> yes. I love it. That's perfect. So now it's a part of the show. Uh, oh, wait. Before we go there, we have to talk about free falling. And I want you to just touch on here how that inspired your, um, your song choice for today for the story. Well, it's kind of just like I said, I mean, even, even when I began to meditate, when I just began to meditate, which I went begrudgingly kicking and screaming into meditation, I did not want to sit with the little gremlins that were in my chest. I was not interested. And I would sit down on my love seat and the feeling in my chest was like falling because I literally felt like all my hand grips, every single solitary thing that was keeping me solid was all the doing and all the doing well. And to start to have the idea of we're going to let those go, it so much feels like falling. It so much feels like I'm just going to go out into this. Like I said, there's no gray. I'm going to go out into this world where I'm not going to be the way that I've always been before. And you can't picture that. So it's, it's nothingness. It's free falling. There's nothing, there's nothing there. It's just different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So great. So going into 80s trends, if we were in your club in the 1980s, what would we find? Well, I'll keep some of those things to myself, but (laughs) for for clothing, 
I liked the black and white stripes and checkers. So I did have some of that going on. A lot of big hair, a lot of big, big, big hair, a lot of hairspray. And one of my favorite things was my dad's belts, the big, thick, thick, thick belts. You'd wear those around your waist. They didn't hold your pants up because your pants were probably tight, but you wore them around your waist, kind of like just off to the side, off your hip, hanging down, Madonna style. Yeah. So that I was very, I was very cool. <laughs> yes, very cool I, with that. I got the visual right now. I got the yeah. visual. Now, were were you in uh, Canada growing? Did you grow up in Canada? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. yes. So. The guy that's saying I wear my sunglasses at night, the one hit wonder. Corey Hart. Corey Hart. Yep. He and Brian Adams is a Canadian. So I got to see Mm -hmm. people like that live and in person. So I was I was right on trend. Yep. Yeah. Yes, you were. Oh yeah. I loved Corey Hart. And then I also love the song uh Never Surrender, such a good song as well. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that yeah, great. All right. So any favorite shows from the eighties? Well, I thought about what you asked and cheers is one that got me through college days. Mm -hmm. I think it might've been some reruns, but I definitely love cheers. And if I could bring that back, it's, it's a little melancholy, but I'd like to have Norm back because I feel like nobody, nobody knows each other's names and each other's stories anymore. You know, unless you, you're kind of meeting people on social media, but knowing someone's name is to me, it's so reminiscent of the way we used to be. You memorize people's name, you memorize their phone numbers. You didn't have that Google brain where you're like, Oh, I can look it up later. So you really like took interest and made note of who people were. So I'm a little nostalgic for the cheers. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love cheers. That's such a good show. And, and, uh, and there, you're right. There is such a, that is lost a little bit of our, our fast paced life. And, and I enjoyed going into the same pl- I remember when I waited tables, it was in the early nineties, but I always knew the person's name that mm-hmm. came to and sat in my section. And, and I always knew, you know, I did the repeat business and that just that familiarity. And mm-hmm. I noticed on a Saturday, I'm like, Oh, so-and-so is not here today. That's mm-hmm. interesting. You know, mm-hmm. but that I, that's that's such a good like that's such a community feeling and i feel yeah. that while our world has gotten feels smaller because we can communicate via you know uh zoom and and all of that at the same time it's like we've lost some of the connectedness mm-hmm. and uh, the pandemic certainly didn't help that much <laughs> no no and i bet when you were waitressing you remember details about people who their spouse mm. was where their spouse worked and all of those things like made our brains feel like someone was more familiar. And now we don't even try to remember that because we'll just look it up later. And it right. kind of, it, it makes me sad. You know? Yeah. I remembered like which, which clients liked light ice in their uh-huh. tea and some more ice. So I would know, Oh, he's light ice. He's more, I he's this, he's that, or she's this. And uh, no, it's true. And, and it was that the act of nurturing the act of caring customer service, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. that's so interesting. Yeah. You're literally saying to that person, something beautiful. I paid attention to you. Mm -hmm. I paid attention Mm -hmm. to what matters to you, even if it's ice. Yeah. 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 So true. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to spend time with you today and, and honestly a wealth of knowledge and all of your experience. And 
And thank you for being a nurse and being in the in the that uh, health profession. I know how hard nurses work, and it's such an important field. And and especially, I think we all know, you know, through this pandemic, how important those uh, essential health workers have been and will continue to be. And um, and I hope people you know, see the value. And I know they do. I think everyone does, you know, but now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I love my nurses. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And until next time. Well, thank you for being so gracious. Thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. First of all, tell us how these totally rad stories have inspired you. If you have a story with an 80 song inspiration, we want to hear it. You think this podcast is like totally tubular? Well, we would love your review. Stay connected with us on Podopolo and download the app today. Visit me at www.patriciafreiberg.com. Thank you. And we look forward to a double boost of inspiration next Motivational Music Monday.